IPC. Uh, normally, I'd, I would like you to read your text um, before we start, but I'm going to also emphasize today's first commandment and then read a little bit after it. So Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3 says, you shall have no other gods before me. And then verse 18 says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. So Ellie and I have been recording a lot of music lately, most of it for you all for church and recording is a fascinating thing. Think about it. You can play in a jazz band. Let's say you're at a club and you're playing in the band. People are chatting. Uh, waitresses are bringing cocktails to other people. And in that situation, you can play a wrong note and no one will even notice. They'll still just think you're really cool, right? Uh, Ellie and I, when we met each other 20 some years ago, uh, we were both playing gigs at coffee houses, little acoustic gigs. And here's the thing about playing at a coffee house. When someone orders a cappuccino and the milk frother starts going, you know, uh, you can't hear any mistakes of the musicians. It's kind of a beautiful thing. But when you go into a recording studio, the microphone, the microphone hides nothing. And then there's a certain deal that a musician and a record producer make with each other, right? The, the deal goes like this. All right, producer, you are the only one who can ever know what I'm really like, how human I am as a musician, that sometimes I sing out of tune, that my guitar playing can sometimes be clumsy. No one gets to hear the real me except for you. And then ex in exchange for this radical vulnerability that I'm going to have with you, the producer, your job is to make me sound incredible, right? So I'll trade the vulnerability of that studio situation for the glory that I'll get from my adoring fans when they hear this fabulous, flawless record that I've made. But here's the thing, it's 2020, right? And we've got now the software and the gear to record music at home. And guess what that means? It means that I don't ever have to get vulnerable. I don't have to get musically naked in front of any music producer. I can spend one hour recording. I can spend five more hours trying to make myself sound amazing. And if I make a guitar mistake, I can copy and paste a decent guitar part into the place where I messed up. If I sing out of tune, I can use the auto-tune software to co correct my pitch. And then on Sunday, when we play the music for you all, while we're all trying to enter into God's presence, make a joyful noise together, you hear the music that I've made and you think, wow, great stuff, pastor. How nice it is. You guys have been telling me this. How nice it is to have a musical pastor. Of course, what you really mean is, how nice is, is it that our pastor has a musical wife? That's what's really going on here. I know, it's okay. I can deal with it. See, I, I want to sound good. I want to look good. I want to be good. And you know what? There's actually nothing wrong with that. That's okay because we were made for goodness. In fact, 
it's clear from the scriptures that we were made for glory. And the problem is not that we desire glory, but rather that we have all sinned and we've fallen short of that glory, as Paul says in Romans 3. Our relationship to glory now is complicated. It's messed up. We want it, but if we had it, we couldn't handle it. We desire it, but we know that we don't deserve it. We long to be authentically glorious, but we're spending so much time and energy, all of us, manufacturing faux glory. And that's what the first commandment is about. The title of our sermon is Treasure My Glory. That's the first of the ten good words from our good father. Have no other gods before me, meaning in my presence. Treasure my glory alone. Now, whenever there's glory in the Bible, there tends to be smoke and other stuff that goes with it. So let's look at some of the smoke and the other stuff, right? And that'll be our outline. First, we'll look at smoke and thunder. Then we'll look at smoke and mirrors. And then finally, we'll look at smoke and smiles. Smoke and thunder, smoke and mirrors, smoke and smiles. First, smoke and thunder. So as I read for us at the end of the 10 good words in Exodus 20, beginning with verse 18, we see the smoke, right? We hear the thunder. We see the lightning. And we see the people of Israel down there at the foot of the mountain trembling with fear. And they're saying, Moses, Moses, you talk to God. We can't do this. We'll stay way back here because we can't bear the presence of God's glory. But of course, God had summoned Israel to the mountain of his glory. You have to come near, he says. You have to hear and see. But the Israelites know that they can't come too near or verse 19, chapter 20, they'll die. And in fact, all of chapter 19 was God basically warning them that if they come too near, they will die. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I showed my glory to Pharaoh, and you saw it, and it was awesome. Yep, the Israelites say, we saw it. And now we're seeing it again, and it's just a bit too much for us. So what's happening here is that in the giving of the law, Israel is being called into the recording studio, aren't they? Remember, uh, Pharaoh's pathetic flaws and his insecurities had been exposed to the scrutiny of the record producer's all-hearing microphone when the Lord God held it up to Pharaoh. We found out what Pharaoh was really all about. And Israel does not want to go into the recording booth and have that microphone held up to their hearts, to their souls, to their lives. They can't bear that kind of an experience. God is saying, you're going to be my treasured possession. I'm going to fulfill my mission and my plans in and through you. And they're saying, oh man, please, no, not us. We can't bear this kind of glory. We're not worthy of it. We can never be authentically glorious. And in fact, we are terrified of you. Friends, you and I were fearfully and wonderfully made, the psalmist says. Made in the image of God. Made female and male. And we were made for nothing less than to reflect God's glory. And then 
in God's image and with his glory to serve and to rule the world. And this task and the glory that it involves, it actually terrifies us. And that terror is not a mistake. It's real because, in fact, we have fallen way, way short of God's glory. Smoke and thunder? No thanks, man. We would rather miss out on God's glory than have our own ingloriousness exposed there. So what do we do instead? Smoke and thunder? No, we don't want that. So what do we do? Well, we try smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. We say, because I can't handle God's glory, I will settle for a simulacrum of glory, manufactured instead of reflected glory, fake glory. And in fact, I'm going to try to do it myself. Uh, Ellie, couple last week, it blew my mind. She spent an entire day cleaning out my walk-in closet and getting rid of all the clothes that I never wear and just all the junk that had accumulated in there. And now there's actually room in my walk-in closet for our little recording studio. My jackets and my trousers and my socks are all around and they muffle the sound just like, you know, in a real recording studio. And so now I can go in there. I can close myself up in my closet. I can record. I can sing. And then I can cover up all my mistakes with cut and paste technology. I can auto-tune my voice. And then I can come out with the laptop and say to my kids, hey, kids, want to hear this cool song that your dad just made? Of course, they're not interested at all. But um, the point is, I don't have to be exposed for the raw talents that I have. I can do it myself. I can manufacture a semblance of musical glory and share it with you all. Friends, we will work so hard, won't we? We will work so hard to cover up our glory shortfall. Now, what if you realize, oh man, I can't do it. I can't bring the product to market. I can't manufacture glory by myself. Well, then we start to make deals, don't we? We think, I will use the various gods of money and attraction and power, and with some strategic partnerships, we can get the job done. I'll make alliances and deals. I will serve the gods of approval, and in exchange, they will keep me this is the deal anyway, feeling safe and loved and treasured and confident. Smoke and mirrors. Martin Luther, just up the road from here, said 500 years ago that when you break any one of the Ten Commandments, that you've already broken the first commandment. Why do I lie or cheat or steal? Well, it's because I've come to the end of my ability to smoke and mirrors my way into approval and glory. And now I'm going to use my neighbor to get something, glory, that only God really has and that only God in the context of father-son love is willing to share with me. 
And so I use my neighbor for it. I break one command and I break this first and most important one in the process. So friends, if I meticulously auto-tune my voice on GarageBand, because I am willing to work to get your praise and approval, I've broken the first commandment. I've brought the false God of people's approval into the presence of the one true Lord of heaven and earth, and in fact, the Father of Jesus and my Father. Students, if you cheat to get into the gimme, adults, professionals, if you pad your resume with inflated or fabricated achievements, if you nurture a secret romance outside of your marriage, well, you're making a deal with a false god of approval. And the false god of approval is going to eventually let you down and will never let you rest. And worst of all, by making your allegiance with the false god of approval, fake glory, you're saying to the one true god of the universe, you know what? I can do without your glory. I don't treasure your glory. I'd rather have the smoke and mirrors semblance of glory than real approval in your glorious presence. So what about you? What are the gods that you are bringing into the presence of your God and Father? What deals are you making which you know are really bad deals? Whose approval are you trying to manufacture and turn into glory? Are you ready to stop with the smoke and mirrors? Are you ready to admit that you're actually tone deaf and stop auto-tuning your life? We want an authentic life. Can we stop with the smoke and mirrors? So we've gone to the foot of the mountain and we witnessed the smoke and the thunder of God's authentic glory. We didn't really like it. And so instead we tried to manufacture a substitute glory with our smoke and mirrors. Let's go up a third mountain, shall we? Let's go up the Mount of Transfiguration. This is a scene that is recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So what happens on this mountain? Let's pay a little bit of attention to it. Well, surprise, a cloud or smoke appears. Glory, cloud, smoke always happens. Jesus' face changes. His clothes become, it says, bright as a flash of lightning. And then Moses and Elijah are there. The lawgiver and then the covenant lawyer, they both appear in glorious splendor there on the mountain with Jesus. And they're talking with Jesus about the exodus, not the exodus that Moses led, that we've been talking about here, but Exodus part two, the same Greek word, Jesus's exodus in Jerusalem, where he will lead his people out of bondage from their sin, and he will give them new hearts to serve and glorify God. And actually, in Luke's telling, really in all of them, but especially in Luke's, this is a hilarious story, as terrible as it is, terrifying. Why? Well, because Peter and James and John, especially Peter, are super awkward, right? 
for one thing, they're sleeping while Jesus is praying, probably just like in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had said, hey, let's go pray together. They nod off, and he's the only one left praying. They wake up, and they see all this terrifying glory. Jesus has changed, and they're like, oh no, what have we done? And like every other human being before them, and like every human being after them, Peter and James and John, they know they're supposed to reflect the uncreated light of Jesus's glory, like Moses and Elijah are right there doing. So they're supposed to be at home in this glory experience. They know this, but they also know, like every other human being, that they're just dudes. They're just Peter and James and John. And so in the midst of this confusion, Peter, being Peter, speaks up. And he says, Master, it is good for us to be here. In fact, let us make three shelters, three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. We can help. And then Luke adds this hilarious line. He says, he did not know what he was saying. (laughs) This idiot doesn't know what he's talking about. He's dumbfounded by the glory experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. This would be like if you and I had written some songs and we went into my closet and we recorded them, right? We used a fair amount of auto-tune, corrected some goofy guitar parts, and then we released our album, right? And the next thing you know, U2 is calling, or Luciano Pavarotti is calling, right? And he wants to take us on tour as the opening act. We would be like, uh okay, right, great. Like, you're definitely at that point going to say and and do some really awkward and stupid things because this is exactly the kind of thing that you've always dreamed about, right? But you know that you don't belong. (laughs) And here actually is where it gets really cool on the Mount of Transfiguration. Think about it. Moses had met God, Exodus chapter 3, I think it is, while he was shepherding sheep at Mount Sinai. The bush starts burning, but it's not burning up. There's fire and smoke, like usually happens when there's glory. And it turns out this bush is going to talk as well. And it's the voice of God. And Moses wants to get closer, but knows and is told that he can't go any closer to the presence of God's glory. Fast forward 17 chapters, and Moses and Israel are at the same mountain. And once again, there's fire and smoke and God's voice. And this time, what God does at the mountain is he summarizes the contents of his own heart in these 10 good words. And then Jesus, maybe he's on Mount Zion when this happens, I don't know. He's questioned by a lawyer about God's law. And Jesus says, yep, you know what? The best way to summarize The moral law, which is summarized in the Ten Commandments, is to summarize them with two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. That's the way I would summarize it. Well, here we are on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter and James and John are up there. Jesus is beaming with glory. There's smoke, fire. There's the voice of God. And God the Father then takes the opportunity to summarize the two greatest commandments, the Ten Commandments, the whole law, and really the entirety of God's own heart. And he does it now, not with two words, but with one word, one good word. What is it? 
This is my beloved son, whom I love. Listen to him. All of the law, all of God's heart and character, summarized in this one word. And really, he's smiling upon Jesus. This is my beloved son, whom I love. The smile is as much the one word as this command, listen to Jesus. And friends, when we hear this one good word, the word from the Father who is Jesus, and when we see the Father's smile first on Jesus, and then as we are in Christ on us as well, we realize that the Father is giving us both an invitation and a command. And it's the same thing as the first commandment. What is it? That we need to shut up with our excuses for why we can't handle God's glory. We were made to experience and to reflect God's glory, not to fall from it and then be afraid of it. But number two, we're being told we need to stop with our smoke and mirror schemes that we've designed to get this fake and fleeting smile from the world around us. Think about it this way. When the world smiles, we see it and it feels good. But eventually the cloud and the smoke come in and the smile of the world disappears and we can't see it anymore. And all we're left with is the fear that maybe actually we're not enough. I can't see the approval or feel the approval of the world anymore. But with God, it works the opposite way, right? The first experience is the cloud and the fire and the glory and the thunder. And the God of glory thunders and the smoke covers God's face, as it were. But then in Jesus, the storm stops, the smoke clears for a moment. And what do we see? We see the smiling face of our loving Heavenly Father in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. And with his glory and his grace beaming on us, suddenly, you know what? I don't need the smiles of this world. I don't need the smoke and mirror act. I don't need the false gods that I'm trying to get to manufacture a false and fleeting sense of glory. You shall have no other gods in my presence. Well, once, friends, you have beheld the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, well, you know, and I know, how ridiculous it is to bring along any other gods with us into God's presence. How self-destructive it is to serve those other gods. How insulting it is to trot them out and to bow before them in the Father's presence. So how are we going to answer this call of God, this first commandment? Well, here's how we do it. By keeping our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, who fulfills this commandment for us, and in whose face we see not just the thunder and smoke of God's glory, but also the smile of God's pleasure and the hope of our own real chance of glory. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have the hope of glory. Father, we pray that you would help us to 
follow the Lord Jesus in obeying this great commandment to have no other gods before you. Help us to stop pretending and to be authentic in your presence, but, but to authentically be ready to change and to put away our idols and false gods and to serve only you, for only you are worthy and only you are the hero of our salvation, having delivered your people from bondage, first in Egypt, and then from our slavery to sin and death and hell. You're alone worthy of it. And so we ask you to deliver us from other gods in your presence so that we would have the freedom to serve only you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.